A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and thank you for downloading this week's podcast of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Oscar award winning filmmaker Oliver Stone joins us for a chinwag about his intimate new memoir, Chasing the Light. Captain Slow himself, James May, chews the fat about his brand new app, My Theory Test, helping new drivers to pass. The all-dancing and singing Cassidy Jansen discusses how she's helping raise money to save theatres with the Theatre Super Auction. And the Idris Elba and Bill Bailey tell us about season three of the hilarious Sky Original in the long run. All that and loads more still to come. Now, Vassos, tell us who the first guest is, please. Uh, however autobiographical it is, it's Belly Laugh Funny, and it's back, back, back. In the long run returns this Thursday for Series 3 on Sky One. So let's dust off our shell suits and head to 1980s East London with two of the show's superstars. Please welcome the brilliant Bill Bailey and fresh from knocking on strangers' doors for Sky <laughs> VIP, the incredible Idris Elba. Good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hello. So first of all, uh, we know we know who you are, but where are you? So Idris, you're in a caravan. I'm in a caravan on a building site just outside of Oxford, Chris. Don't ask any more questions. I've got to. How? how you, okay. you, you can't be making a film because you're not allowed to. So what's going on? But this is true. No, honestly, I, I um, I, uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm in a caravan. It is an airstream. It's a lovely little airstream. Yes, yes. But uh, I'm overseeing a little building project and it was music studio that i've got so um cool. that's what i'm doing because my wife and i um we ended up living in the caravan um because our house wasn't ready at the time and we said so we lived in the garden of the house that was still being built believe it or not in an estuary but a modern one um and we had a lovely time for eight weeks yeah no i'm i'm, I'm having a wicked time man it's uh the shower's a bit small. I mean, I'm a I'm a strapping lad, and the shower's yeah. What's the uh, what's the Wi-Fi like, Idris? Wi-Fi? What's Wi-Fi? I'm on oh. 3G. You All got right. nothing. All right. So we got we got nothing. a bloke in a caravan um, uh, talking to us about his new show with another bloke in a shed. Bill, over to you. Uh, yeah, I'm in the shed. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's got it's. It's the, it's the shed in my garden. It's it's on either side. Right. I've got I've got the chickens on one side and the tortoise on the other side. Okay. So have you got you a tortoise? Might, I've got a couple of tortoises. Yeah. A couple of tortoises. And, uh, yeah. Well, there's a you know there's a pair. It's a it's a. So they're it quite, They get quite amorous in lockdown. I've got to I'm say. Sure they do. Chief West, there yeah. you are. Um, I've got to say, it's Hobbs what and, is it? and Shaw. Is that your latest one, Idris? Your big one. Is it Hobbs and Shaw? Uh, it was the last one I was in, yes. The oh, big last one, yeah. So good. I mean, how ripped are you in that? Is that all you? Or is that... How did you get that ripped? Um, CGI. So, sorry, that was a question for Bill. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's all me. Well, the thing is, Bill, I mean, let's talk about episode one of season three of In the Long Run, because, you, because it, you know, fitness is at, at the, the epicentre of your particular plot isn't oh, it oh yeah fitness and fishing Absolutely. okay so let's talk about let's talk about fitness fishing and homebrew go bill okay well in this episode uh, bagpipes goes fishing he catches a fish he looks as into he looks into the fish's eye and contemplates his own mortality as indeed many of us do and then so then he passes out falls in the river 
And uh, this precipitates a sort of crisis in Bagpipe's life where he starts to worry about his own health. And, um, and then, he, uh, then his mate, who goes fishing with him, brews some homebrew, and uh, then he thinks that's what's, uh, that's what's pushed him in the river, and he t- does a runner. So there we go, fishing, <laughs> homebrew, <laughs> fitness. Yeah, and a, a barrel of laughs. Mum's come to stay, which means what precisely, Idris? Oh, man, so, so my mum um, in the show is coming from Sierra Leone to England, and, you know, <clears throat> by all accounts, an African mother is, you know, a force of nature. And when she comes to my little flat in Hackney, uh, well, she's none too impressed. And so, you know, my, my job in, the, in this episode is to make mummy really, really uh, happy with uh, coming to London. Of course, she's not happy. And, you know, all hell ensues. And uh, you, then you find yourself in the pulpit pretending to have go, go to church every week, and, of course, you don't. And uh, so you th- your family think, you know, those who are in on it think, well, he's only got to do a reading. But then you sort of channel, or your character channels his inner Martin Luther King, sort of, and goes freestyle. Sort of. Yeah, no, so he gets up in the pulpit and basically makes it up uh, in the way that my actual... <laughs> so I'm playing with my dad, and, and he completely makes it up. He ends up thinking about the Madonna that says Maradona, yeah. and then ties that in with the hand of God. The hand of God. I mean, it's just a farce, honestly. It is a farce. Um, you must be thrilled, though, season Very three. Funny. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, again, that, that's a benchmark nowadays in telly, isn't it? You know, to get to season oh, is, three. Man. Yeah, you know, good for you. In, in this day and age, especially a show like that, Chris, because... You know, if I'm honest, I, I grew up on Only Fools and Horses, and uh, you know, you know, I tried to make a show that resembled that era of comedy. Yeah. I even thought up a clever name in the long run. You know, yeah, everyone says that. Yeah, like Only Fools do. and Horses. Everyone says that too. So, well done. Yeah. All uh, right. Yeah. So, um, what's going on in the shed for the rest of the day that you can tell us about, um, involving or not involving the Todd's, and what's top going secret. on? What's going on top in the airstrip? All right. Okay. Uh, top secret. Okay. Uh, research. Bill's taking the fifth on that one. Idris, what's going on in the airstream today? Maybe or maybe not. Or, or, or perhaps. What, you know what, what, I, go on. Yeah. Go on. No, no, you go on because I've got no answer. <laughs> <laughs> What do you, okay, just let me put it this way. Let me catch the question in a different manner. What do you hope to be most productive today, the building site or the airstream? Uh, the building site, please, would be lovely. <laughs> I do have my I do have my kid and his play date here today, uh, right. running around, which is also fun. Right. Uh, so that's a fun okay. Day. It's nice. Yeah. And you can say today, children, we're going to make a house. Hopefully, oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to be phoning random people just to speak to. Great, and staying on forever, which is the opposite of most yeah. interviews. It's so funny. This, honest Idris and Bill, yeah. this is all our guests now. You know you know when you say to your mum, well, I'll let you go. You know, we're having to say that to the guests. <laughs> anyway, go, guys, go. I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Um, go. Bye-bye. Ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Next up, we are speaking to the one and only Oscar award-winning filmmaker Oliver Stone. Oliver, your book is a ride. I couldn't put it down. I didn't ask my wife, ask my kids. Um, it was unbelievable. Essentially, it's it's your story via three of your movies, Midnight Express, Salvador and uh, Platoon. Um, looking back now, which was hardest to make the film Platoon in the jungle about Vietnam or to actually fight in the jungle in the Vietnam War? <laughs> Different. Different uh, journeys, you know, completely different. But unfortunately, you left out 
you mentioned successful films. You left out the failures. And uh, you have to realize that a lot of the book is about failure and not getting to your dream. And uh, the inverse of success is sometimes bitterness and uh, hardship. So there's a lot of that in the book. Did you notice uh, when you read it, Chris? Uh, well, I did, but the point is that I'm a very positive person, and I also I faced I adversity, so I get all that. But the energy yeah. and the fight in getting two films and getting through your nadirs um, yeah. left me breathless. I mean, I could literally, you know, I was exhausted. Re so I don't make films. I'm in radio. It's the opposite medium. You know, it's very short form. It's yeah. very of the now. And, and the whole, the effort, the burden, the weight, the gravity of just getting a film off the ground, the first few meetings, and then, you know, you, you get to... Yeah. You get to New Mexico and you, and you get to the jungle and you get all these people around you and you get really famous actors who are just being complete pains in the arse. And I'm like, well, how do you even... How do you, You're 74 now? 74 are you now, Oliver? Yeah, almost. Yeah. 74, you know, you must be exhausted. Uh, at times I was, yes. And, you know, I, I haven't made a feature film since 19, 2016 uh, Snowden movie. So I've been doing documentaries... Uh, two of them I'm finishing up now, and I wrote this book that you read, and I did a lot of work on it for about two and a half years off and on, full-time though at times. Oh, it was really a great thing to relive, a feeling of, re you know, it went so fast, Chris, the time, when you make, when you get in the film, one film after the other, and then when you get hot, you get hot, and you're throwing dice in a casino. It's like, you don't stop to think and you don't stop to enjoy it sometimes. So it's a great chance late in life just to lit, sit back and uh, remember and reappreciate the times that you had there. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience. I enjoyed writing it. It's so true. And, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd love to be a teenager in the 60s because I think it would be such a groove. But reading your book, your experience in the 60s, it was quite a serious experience. And you seem to try and then make up for your lost 60s in the 70s. Would that be a, any kind of astute yeah. observation? Yes, it is. I mean, it's a story about New York life. My mother and my father, I was an only child and their divorce and how it affected me deeply because it broke apart our family and how after the age of 16 it was I was pretty much on my own sort of an adult and went to Vietnam the first time as a teacher and then in the merchant marine it was a tremendous adventure and I came back and I wrote a book about it and I wanted the book to be published it wasn't published it was rejected and uh, I went back to school to Yale and then uh, couldn't 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 get on I had no place in this world anymore I felt most comfortable somehow in the Far East, and I went back as a soldier, full out. I wanted to be just anonymous, anonymous in the field, just a private first class. I wanted to find to the bottom of the barrel, and I did in making platoon. Well, living platoon, you asked what was harder, living it at different times in my life. I wrote, I got out at 22. I survived and was numb, alienated, didn't really think, wasn't obsessed with it by any means. I wanted to, I didn't know what I was. I was on another journey, another world, numb from the war. And uh, it took me several years, to a year to get back into film school and then gradually found my way through writing, through screenwriting, back to some kind of sanity, some kind of decency in civilization and uh, wrote 12 screenplays in that period. Okay, before you go all, and thanks so much for this, um, 
Notwithstanding, one more one more question. Yeah. Oh. Uh, not yeah. with, notwithstanding budget casting or resources, okay, uh, or energy. In fact, uh, what is the most useful film Oliver Stone could make today? Uh, I'm happening. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing a documentary, and you're going to probably say, "Oh no." But I'm doing my documentary. This this last one, I'm finishing it for this year, is about nuclear energy, which is an amazing subject when you get into it and how powerful it can be and helpful. And it's just uh, it's based on this book I bought, and I just think it's important information to get share with the world. I don't know. I have that. Maybe I have that do good quality in me that I it's my my missionary doctor side. But I feel like. The world has to know what, what, what I've learned about it, what other people have said. I mean, it's, this is factual. I want to share that. That's as important a contribution as I could make to humanity because it, could, it does contribute to clean energy. So there I go. Okay. Okay. I got, I, you wanted to hear, oh, I'm doing a juicy, sexy. Uh, no, no. Uh, I didn't say that. I said, what, what is the most Clinton useful? Parents, you know, I, no, I said, yeah. what, what is the most useful film you could make? And, and as, as Scorsese said to you in film school, make it personal and you're keeping it yeah. personal. I am because I, I think it matters. So that's all I can do. I don't have any plans for uh, fiction. All right. Well, it's fantastic. But uh, will I, when I do, I'll tell you. I'll Look, tell Oliver, you it's fantastic to talk to you, and thanks for hanging on because I know these uh, th these days of interviews. I mean, I know you no, write. It's fine. You write the book, Chris. You kept me. You woke me up right away. You're great. Okay. You're a very nice host and a very thoughtful, interested one. Okay, thank you, Oliver Stone. Goodbye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Do you know your reverse parallel from your perpendicular parking? Your fog lights from your full beam? Our next guest has driving theory tattooed on the back of his hand and his new app, My Theory Test, is helping learner drivers pass theirs. So please welcome, bearing down on us far too fast, hooting his horn and flashing his lights, it's the marvellous James May. Good morning, James. <laughs> Good morning. How Good are you? Good morning. Very well. Welcome to the show. There you are. Have you seen Thank the sun? Very much. Have you seen the sun today? I am afraid I have seen the sun today. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, nice double page spread. Good. Is today the big launch day for this? Then are you everywhere today, doing everything? Uh, well, I'm in a few places. It's actually had a soft launch, but today it becomes today it becomes known. All right. So, okay. There's a very very serious as to why you've done this. Very various ideas behind it. It sounds on initially. Um, it sounds a bit Quentin Wilson alternative income stream. Can you scotch that myth for me, please? Yeah, I can completely scotch that myth. Yes, it's it's not it's not an alternative income stream. I don't actually think it'll make. Um, a huge amount of money or anything. I just thought it was quite an interesting project to get involved with. Now, that's because it can be a bit dry and also pass rates are going down. Is that right? The pass rate's really very poor. I mean, at least half the people taking it, well, half the people who took it last year failed. And it's 23 quid. So we're talking about, you know, that's nearly a million people failing. And that's a lot of money being wasted and going to HMGov. So I think it's a plot. <laughs> right, OK, it may well be. All right, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise if it was nowadays. So, now, of course, James, when, when we went to pass our test, none of this really it wasn't the case at all, was it? Well, no, I, I mean, I do remember when on the driving test you sat in the, in the car and the examiner had some sort of flashcards with road signs and then he'd ask you a stopping distance. Mm. And I think he had to read a number plate, you know, when, when he wasn't looking. And... That was it. I mean, you still had to learn it all because you didn't know what he was going to ask. But yeah. it wasn't it wasn't as arduous as this multi-guess quiz, which obviously intimidates people. Because I, I've done, you know, I do the mock test over and over again on the app. Um, 
most of it is common sense. You get some questions and it says, you know, which is the sign showing parking in 150 metres? And one of the signs says P, 150 metres. And another one's got a picture of a campsite. And then another one says 30 miles an hour. So, I mean, a lot of it is incredibly obvious. Of course, signs are clear because that's why they work as signs. But for some reason, people keep failing it. And it's so weird because, you know, from where, you know, from the generation which, we, which we've evolved or developed, if you can say that, we would think that maybe that was a trick question because it's just too easy. And I remember if there was a highway code book in your house, it was a th something to aspire to. We couldn't wait to get our hands on the highway code. But now you look at something and it looks more like the old telephone directory might, might have done. Yeah, it, it does look a bit yellow around the edges. And I remember that, that when we had to learn this stuff, God, we sound old talking like this, but <laughs> I used to lie on my bed with the highway code and, yeah. you know, I used to get my brother to test me on it and it was so dull. It really was dull. And when we were working on the app, I thought, you know, driving, driving theory is, it is a bit dull, but you have to do it. And I thought, no, let's put myself in the mind of a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old yeah. who's about to start learning to drive. It's going to be exciting. And then I looked at it and I thought... No, it's still dull. <laughs> it just is. So what have you done then? How have you judged it up? Well, uh, it's got me telling a few lame jokes, as usual. We've, we've simplified the categories. The, the DVSA recognises 14 categories in which you're supposed to learn things. And we've reduced this and, and given them more real-world names, like big roads and cock-ups and so on, and we've divided it up like that. And it's, it's got very clever technology behind it. You, you're not aware of this when you're using it, but it knows, it learns what you haven't learned, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And then it will pop the questions that you're getting wrong up again, but not immediately. It will wait a bit and then surprise you with them. And this has been shown in laboratory tests with animals to improve rates of learning <laughs> and so on. Yeah. Now, I was talking about this car auction I went to um, over the weekend, because it was an actual car auction with actual people. The cars were further apart than they would have been normally, and it was all the better for it. It was outdoors. It happened to be beautiful day so that added to everything but it was quite clear to me that a lot of people had been festering and 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 contemplating and you know researching you know their, their dream car because they'd had time to do this in lockdown and um the, the auction went better than it than it ever gone before have you been contemplating any purchases because we've we've shared a, a love in the past of, of a bentley t2 i know we've done that um mm. i know that currently do you have a renault alpine 110 Yes. How good is that car, by the way? I think it's, it's one of the, if you actually you know, like driving, if you are a yeah. driving enthusiast, yeah. I think it's one of the best cars to come out in the Ever. last 10 years. Ever. Um, I, it's just epic, because they've got the formula right. They've made it small, light, and reduced the size of the engine and the tyres. It's stunning, it's, it's, isn't it? It's bang on message. I it, keep going on about it, and nobody listens to me. It's funny, because they, they texted it, because we mentioned it a couple of days ago, because um, somebody was picking up their new one, and I said, you have no, I don't know if you know how good that car is. You may, may do, because they've obviously bought one, but it does everything all the big boys say, but for a fifth of the price. It's just, it, oh, maybe even better. To be honest, I don't like to admit it to myself, but I think it is better because it's a bit smaller and it's just more usable in the real world. Not for going around a track or any of that stuff, but right. if you simply want to go out and drive your car down some nice lanes, it's, it's fabulous. It's, so, it's absolutely brilliant. So have you been scrolling and perusing anything in lockdown and have you been tempted by anything? Well, to be honest, I've done a bit of selling. I don't know how interested your listeners are going to be. They in love all this. Come on, they love it. <laughs> I've... Um, 
what it mean everybody said you know the cars have become virtually worthless and motorcycles have become worthless but then exactly as you're explaining about your auction you went to there was a a, a sudden surge in interest i think people have because they're bored in lockdown they can't go on exotic holidays they're buying interesting old cars and boats actually i'm a mate of boats, mine is the editor of, of the boat magazine yes and everybody's buying you can't you can't find a motorboat for love nor money everybody's <laughs> snapping it's, it's ludicrous really but anyway i've um I'm afraid I've I've put my 308 up for sale. If you're interested, I can point you to the dealer. Um, and my Honda RC45 went yesterday. It's so funny because you, whenever you wanted to sell a car, you always mentioned it in your column in the paper. And it did did it did it help or not? No, I don't think it makes any difference to okay. be honest. I've I've given it I've given it back to the dealer I bought it from three or four years ago, and he he said he'd sell it for me, but he warned me, you know, not to expect any miracles. Yeah. Okay. I don't, uh, but, you know, I never treat these things as investments, Chris. They're just, they're just for fun. Of course. I believe you. Uh, Catherine Essex says, my son has failed that theory test nine times. Uh, number 10 is books. So I've paid £230. Uh, he has a car and a year's no claims bonus before taking his SPS. We love the Grand Tour chaps, uh, so we'll be buying the app today. Now, they can get the app at the moment on Apple, can't they? Yes. The, it, is, it is coming on Android, but we haven't quite mastered that one yet. So, so uh, watch this space. But it will come quite soon. All right, James. Lovely to talk to you. Good luck with it all. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you as well. Ta-da! The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. We've heard from three phenomenal guests already, but there's still so much more waiting to make its way to you. Joe Wicks waves bye-bye to his live sweat-inducing lockdown weekday workouts. Dane Joan Collins shares all live from Saint-Tropez about the theatre super auction raising funds for the performing arts. And British super singer-songwriter James Bay has us all dancing with his wonderful brand new single, Chew On My Heart. All of that and more still to come, so let's get right back to the action. Vassos, who's next? If our next guest's upcoming third album is as good as his lockdown hair, then count us in. The first single, Chew On My Heart, is out now, and you can learn to play it via his Instagram tutorial. So please welcome a man planning a pub tour. Count us in again. It's the brilliant James Bay. Good morning, James. Hey, guys. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Oh, well, first of all, it's going very well. It's lovely to hear you, James. And this is the first time oh. I've had a chance to thank you for that gorgeous guitar you gifted us. Oh, no trouble. It, oh, no, it was lovely to... I just wanted to send you it. And it was as much as anything, just saying thanks for... for having me on the radio over these last few years. Well, for people who don't know, um, when we announced we were coming here, this massive gift arrived for us, and it was a James oh. Bay gorgeous guitar. I mean, I know the make of it, but what kind of... Is it semi-acoustic guitar? How would you describe yeah, that guitar? It's, 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 it's sort of acoustic and electric. You can plug it in and you can play a big, loud show, such as Carfest. Or, um, <laughs> or, or you can... Uh, or you can sit with it just yourself and just play it all acoustic. And I've done a lot of that over the years, just writing a lot of songs on that guitar. All right, uh, big, loud shows such as, of, such as Carfest. Boy, James, how we miss them, don't we? 
Oh, absolutely. And even if, the time I came to play Carfest, yes, it was pouring with rain, but it did not matter in the slightest. Everybody had their hoods up, and it was brilliant. So it doesn't matter, like, rain or shine. We just want to be able to get together in front of the stage. Right, tell us, tell us about Save Our Venues and the wonderful work you've already been doing with that. Save Our Venues is a very important campaign to me and anybody in the music industry. Um, throughout all of this global pandemic, there has suddenly come the risk that we might lose a lot of very important sort of vital smaller venues who can't necessarily keep themselves afloat when there's nobody coming in. So I did a show in a, in a brilliant small venue. It's kind of one of the newer ones called Amira uh, down in sort of London Bridge. Um, I played to nobody. It was an empty room, but everybody, we set a couple of cameras up and everybody could sort of, um, tune in and watch uh, and there was a donate button on the page and we, we raised on the night just over four grand and you can still donate and people have been donating since because the gig is still available to watch so it was a lovely thing to do as bizarre and eerie as it was being in an empty room it felt important and there was so much love coming uh, from everybody who tuned in, of course. Have we booked James for next year? Have you, have you, are you Carfested contracted up for next year, North and South? I don't actually know. As long as you're going ahead with it, I would love to try and come, come along and right. play. Well, that, that's a done deal. Uh, now, James, anything else you want to talk about whilst we're on the radio together? Just that, of course, there's a new single, Two on My Heart. There will be more music. I've, I'm, I'm nearly finished with all this new record. There is a third album coming this year. I don't know when yet, but it is this year. All right, pal. And how are you generally? I'm all right, you know. I've I've I've, I've been keeping. I've been doing my Joe Wicks, you know, sort of getting on and <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and writing and writing writing new stuff. Even though I've sort of got this whole third album to come, I'm, I'm good. I, I miss coming into radio stations, seeing people like yourself, and doing gigs, as you can imagine. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, you know, we didn't take it for granted, but we sort of did take it for granted. I know. Well, we certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, which we... you know. Nothing wrong with that, but did, we'd like to enjoy it some more. Did you shed a tear on Wednesday when it was Joe Wicks' last live PE lesson? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was sort of it was a beautiful thing to sort of see, but of course a sad thing. But good on the lad, like absolutely smashed it. All right, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I am actually seeing at a, a relatively social distance. I'm seeing some mates who I haven't seen for a long time. We live down in Brighton, so good friends of mine. Right, and do, is, if there's a guitar around, do you always end up playing it? Yeah, one way or another. <laughs> I've got mate, all my all my mates play as well, which is I mean it's lovely, you know, especially when we haven't seen each other in so long. Who doesn't want to hang out, socially distance hang out, with James Bain and his mates in Brighton this weekend? Uh, wow, it's so cool. Um, and Keeping our distance on the beach, you know. When are you, when are you going to head off down there? Tomorrow afternoon. Right, well, if you're going to go today, you could take some tequila, because today's National Tequila Day, James. Oh, I didn't know that. Maybe I'll just pop some out anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was genuine excitement. Ooh, I didn't know that. Ooh. <laughs> Very um, good. Do you treat yourself to a Friday cold drink at all? Yeah, I'll go for G and T. I go for yeah. I go, or maybe a glass of red or maybe a beer. I know there's three very different ones, but it depends on feeling. Yeah, we had some rosé on Wednesday. I don't even like rosé, but I like the idea of it. And you know, it's a funny one, that isn't it? Don't like it Just at all. As long as you have it really cold, have it really cold, you'll be fine. Well, what Aussie Jane? Because Aussie Jane uh, dislikes it equally as much as I do. Uh, I, again, I love you know, I'm, you know, I love all rosé friends. I drink as like brothers and sisters, um, and I do love the idea of it. I just don't like it because if you think about it, it's, it's not. It, it really is processed. It really doesn't exist. You can't get a rosé sure, grape. You know. Sure, sure, true. I don't know. I just I buy into the hype. Aussie, well, what Aussie Jane does, because she dislikes it so much, but she likes she likes the idea of it so much, but she dislikes the, the actual taste so much. She she freezes. What is it? 
freezes grapes. Yeah, freezes grapes, puts the grapes oh, wow. in, and then adds Ribena. She dislikes it so much. Wow. Okay. I mean, you know, however you want to do it, you know, yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah. And if you thought Rose couldn't get any sweeter, well, it just did. Thank you, James. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> You're Thanks, amazing. Guys. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. All this week, we've been shining a light on another brilliant auction to see the entertainment industry through this time. So let's help raise some money via bidintheatres.auction and one of Britain's biggest superstars. Okay, everybody, sit up straight, please. Stand to attention. (laughs) It's Dame Joan Collins. Good morning, Joan. (laughs) Oh, hello, Sir Chris. How are you? Very well. How are you today? I'm great. I couldn't be better, yes. I'm so (laughs) glad that I'm talking to you about this because, honestly, Chris, it is so important for our theatres And it's not just for our theatres, because I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of lovely actors, but it's not. It's all the people who are involved in the theatre. It's the director and the designer and stagehands and the wardrobe and the dancers and musicians and the ushers, not to mention the the guy who sits at the stage door and keeps the the bad people away. Yeah, And, you know, it's the heart of our culture, and we have who have to get the theatres back and running, particularly, you know, the, the suburban ones, um, because they are the lifeblood of some of the smaller... Sorry, I'm running away from this word. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not just London, but up in other places. You know, Bradford, Brighton, yeah, Birmingham. Everywhere, everywhere north so, of the border um, in Northern it's Ireland. It's terribly important, and it's not just this... It's not just the auction, but it's the fact that I think that we need to try and instill in our government how important theatrical life is in Britain. It's our culture. It's what we, you know, we, what we grew up on. Just as Hollywood has sold uh, America, um, the theatre uh, continues to sell Great Britain and, what, and some of the things that are greatest about it. So your lovely Valentino jewellery um, worn by yourself on since. Thank you so much for donating this. Currently at £530 with Jorg Bernhard. Tell us about these. Well, I wore them in this mini-series called Sins. They are um, made by Valentino and they are... Uh, a, a beautiful um, turquoise stone round surrounded by rhinestones. And on top of that, I'm giving a, um, some of my makeup. People always ask me, oh, what do you use for makeup? I have this fantastic makeup, and it's a base, and it's a lipstick, and it's what I always use all the time. And it's, um, it was my line. It was um, uh, Joan Collins' um, timeless beauty but unfortunately we have not been able to sell in the stores for various reasons i won't go in but you can get it online (laughs) but anyway this is the one when people say oh what do you use on your face i say well this is what i use and so that's in that's there with the with the two pairs of earrings do you remember back in the 90s um when you came on tfi friday and it was it was we we went through this (laughs) through many particular phases but this particular phase was um we we were weighing every single guest that came on and um you know dame joan collins she was due to it's joan collins next week are we gonna weigh her we've got to it's what we're doing at the moment and so we weighed you do you remember that joan i do but i don't remember how much i weighed do you yes i do and i'll never forget it what seven two no, it Six. wasn't. Seven stone two? Yeah. 
Impossible. No, you're, you're that fine. would be, you know, as skinny as a rake. I think it was seventy. I've never been less than eight and a half stone. All right. Okay. Well, maybe yeah, I, so maybe well, our scales are up the creek. Else. Okay. Judy Dench, maybe. Yeah. No, that's a joke. <laughs> God, you have to be so careful what you say these days. I thought it was 70... 17- I think humour's gone by the board a bit. L- let me check, let me check, because uh, I know who to call to, to check that out. But anyway, um, you're on fine form, as always. Yeah, um, thank so you. When well, we were... it's great to talk to you. You're always on fine form. I don't know how you do it, day after day. After day. Well, I love it. It's like you, state of mind, is you know, you're halfway there. If, you, if your glass is half full, and even if it's not, if you consider it to be so, you know, you're halfway down the road you want to be on. Well, exactly. I, I certainly believe that the glass is not only half full, but completely full. When was the last time you had a camp- Campari? Am I allowed to ask you that or not? <laughs> Campari? It wasn't a Campari. <laughs> what was it? It was Cinzano. Cinzano! I, I, Obviously, I did, those ads I, were no good whatsoever. I did ask the question, and it was confirmed that it was a Campari, but it was a Cinzano. Of course it was. OK. Yeah, did you, I never had one. I was going to say, did you ever have one? I had to when I was doing the yeah, ad yeah. with Leonard Rossiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, because you have to do the fair practice whatever it's called so they made me drink it I got so drunk by lunchtime <laughs> that I had to lie down and have three coffees before I could go back and then I said I can't I can't drink it so they gave me some Ribena and water but they said you know you have to really believe that this is Cinzano no, right. I don't know what happened those were great ads they were they were legendary yeah, ads but yeah, I... and it was great working with Leonard even though he referred to me as the prop did Which I thought was a bit rude. Yeah, was a little but bit rude. You could do that in those days. Yeah, maybe maybe he'd had too, <laughs> maybe he'd had too much Cinzano. Uh, right, okay, Dame Joan Collins, thank you so much for joining us live from Centre Pay. Oh, Lovely to talk. Always to you. welcome, and I need to check that way in. I'm sorry, I thought it was seventy. I must apologise for that. I think that. it was somebody else. Okay, all right. Yeah, you're probably right. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. What do you get your favourite teacher at the end of the school year? Well, our next guest is in line for a million bottles of Prosecco and there's rumours of a Wix waxwork at Madame Tussauds. So ahead of his last ever live lesson, please welcome a man who's never still as a statue. It's jumping, Joe Wicks. All right, Joe, sad day in our house. Um, How is it landing for you today? Oh, good morning, guys. Well, listen, I am feeling quite, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the workout, but also... Little bit sad that it is the final live workout. And I've got some stats for you. That you're going to love these, Chris. So we've now had 80 million views Woo! over 78 workouts, <laughs> right. 2,271 years of watch time, and we've raised 580,000 pounds for the NHS. Uh, who's in charge of? Oh, this, was it your brother or your brother-in-law that you mentioned before? I can't remember. Yeah, that's that's my brother Nicky. He's been on the phone, you know, doing the shout-outs, and he's like my guy in the background. So yeah, without him, I wouldn't have done it. So I'm going to give him a little uh, thank you today during the workout. Right now, I've never done one of your uh, online workouts. So we're always on the radio, but my family uh, swear by them, sometimes swear at you, which is understandable, isn't it? Yeah, you know, they're fun, but they're tough. I really want to push people. And I, I wrote a post last night. You know, the reason I started PE with Joe was to give, you know, to support parents, but to give people something fun to do, to give kids a way of, you know, releasing some energy, but also feeling safe and calm for that 30 minutes. And I really I really think it did that, you know. Right. So how come how come the last one is today? Of course, it has to end sometime. And why not, by the way? You know, this is no in no way criticism. I just just why particularly have you decided to call it a day today? So we've been going for 18 weeks and we had amazing numbers. And even now, you know, we're still getting about 50,000 live streams. But my, you know, I really need a rest. It's summer holidays now, so numbers are naturally declining. I've been doing it on a weekend as well. So I did a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. But I'm actually heading off tomorrow to Scotland for five days with my brother and my, um, my dad. So I just need to, I really need to recharge my batteries. Ooh. But this isn't the last... 
it's not the last pee with Joe ever. It's just at the end of term, but I'll be back at some point during the year, you know, doing more workouts together and doing live as well. Right. I'm intrigued about yeah, the, the, the Lads and Dads Week uh, five days away. What's going on there? You're going fishing and things like that. No, it's, so it's called the Highland Scramble. And basically my dad's just passed his motorbike test and oh. I've got him a new motorbike. So we're going on a five-day trip around the Highlands doing a motorbike tour. What a laugh. And is, is it, are you part of a gang? Is it, is it a thing? Can you book to go on this? Yeah, I, I got invited on and I've got a few of my friends coming and my dad. It's a kind of, um, it's called the North Coast 500. You go all around the Highlands and um, I'm really excited. It's a, it's a bucket list dream of my dad. So I said, look, get your test. And he only passed it a few days ago. I right. said, please pass your test and we'll go and have this amazing trip together. So it's something that he's always dreamed of doing. And um, yeah, I'm excited. But listen, I've um, I've decorated the whole of my room. So I've got banners up, I've got balloons, I've got unicorns. It's going to be a proper party. I'm going to go for it. Like It's a real <laughs> celebration today. Okay. And I'm getting I'm getting the family. Rosie, Indy right. and Marley are also going to be tuning in. My wife's quite sad. Um, are you getting that sort of vibe from people? I've, yeah, I think it's going to be quite emotional because we've gone through this together. We've pushed ourselves and it's it's been that one kind of stable thing that we've been doing for so long and it is i know i'm going to feel emotional i'm sensitive and i certain things trigger me and especially certain music and songs and i've got i'm going to try and keep it together but i wouldn't be surprised if i'm crying rose is crying and, and people at home are watching crying my wife was crying last night talking about that this is the last one i said hang on a minute hang on a minute you made to me not him anyway uh, <laughs> so joe what is all this about uh, you and madam two sores and, and a, a joe wicks for us all to have our photograph taken next to i mean look there's a lot of um there's a lot of silly articles going about i don't know you know i, I haven't been contacted i'm sure if that did happen you'd have to be involved but who knows, mate? It'd be very funny, but I think it'd be—I think it'd be weird. I couldn't imagine it to be fair myself. They did me. They came round to my house and did me. So I know—I know about the process. It's quite interesting. Were you happy with the outcome? Did it look good? Yeah, I was happy, but um, uh, I was melted down about five years later because <laughs> they—they do, <laughs> do melt you down, uh, but they keep oh, their head. No. They get, so they've still got my head. Should it be required? Uh, but they come round to your house and they have this sort of—they um, have this uh, sort of plywood uh, uh, turntable, and you—you you stand on the turntable, and then you just, they just swivel you around. And they take all these different photographs, and they come back and pay you a few more home visits. And then the most interesting day is when they bring a selection of eyeballs and they have to match your eye, th th their eyeballs. So mine are blue, and they go from blue, beautiful sort of icy blue with crystal, crystal clear white to sort of blood, blood, bloodshot red. And it's like, oh, that's crazy. No, and they were, so I said, please don't give me bloodshot eyes. They went, but they're your eyes. I went, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so you could have been, your body could have been melted down into like Ariana Grande or something. Yeah, that probably. In fact, I think it was her. There you are. Uh, well, listen, Joe, Brilliant. thank you, thank you, thank you uh, from my family and on behalf of uh, the whole nation. You're a superstar and please stay in touch. Enjoy that amazing five days with your brother and your dad uh, and good luck this morning at nine o'clock. Thank you, mate. Thanks for supporting all the way through and have a lovely day. Take care, mate. All right, pal. Uh, this is it. The last one for now. Uh, join Joe uh, for his last P with Joe under lockdown. Uh, go to the Body Coach TV on YouTube and uh, you can join him there. Uh, the Evanses will be on board. No doubt about that. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Theatres may be currently closed, but the passion in the performing arts is stronger than ever, as is the desire to help. So let's us raise some money and raise the curtain on the theatre super auction. OK, everyone, bid 
in theatres dot auction. What am I bid for a West End superstar? It's the one and only Cassidy Jansen. Good morning, Cassidy. Oh, wow, good morning, Chris. How oh, are you? Very well. Well done on this initiative. I know you've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Um, they were talking about it happening uh, starting last week, but you've deferred it to this week. What exactly is going on? What can people bid for? Where's the money going? What do you want people to know about? Oh gosh, right. So this 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 literally been thrown together in two weeks, and we we we've really all of us worked so hard to get this going. So basically, obviously, I think a lot of people are aware what's happening in the theatre industry. We can't open, we can't have social distancing in theatres, and also seventy percent of our profession are freelancers, so they can't get any help from the government. So we came up with this idea. Uh, we're going to support a charity called Theatres Trust which is a fantastic charity that um, are going to do special grants to help theatres reopen after COVID so they can afford all the extra sanitisation. Acting for Others, which is a fantastic charity that will help individuals who can't get help from the government and need a bit of extra financial support. And uh, the Theatre Artist Funds, which is obviously the Netflix Sam Mendes charity, we're going to also give money to that. So what we've done, we've we've got all opened our little black books and we've all uh, asked our celeb friends to donate and we've had unbelievable Unbelievable generosity from very famous people. We've had Michael Ball donating his original Edna shoes from Hairspray. We've had Kelsey Grammer donate his finale script from Fraser, signed by the entire cast. That's good, isn't it? I really couldn't believe when he did that. That's amazingly generous. Alexandra Burke has donated her Strictly Come Dancing shoes, and she's also offering if anyone's up for this, a 30-minute Zoom hit class hosted by her. <laughs> so if you want to get sweaty with Berkey, you can. And um, so, But you can go on the website, have a look. There's 65 lots at the moment. We're hoping for more, but they're already, there's already bids. It's very exciting. Great. OK. Uh, Bidintheatres.auction is where you need to go. And we'll have a little uh, peruse on the air of the bids tomorrow and then a few more on Thursday. Then we'll go mad for it on Friday. Hopefully uh, we'll bolster uh, the bids for you. Uh, now, there are th- there's some amazing experiences. Lunch with the Kemps, Lot 15. Already people bidding on that. A family ticket to Peppa Pig's Best Day Ever Live on UK Tour with Post Show Meet and Greets. Oh, my goodness me. You can meet Peppa uh, and, and George and Mum and da- Daddy Pig and, <laughs> and uh, all that. Stuff. Uh, you can go to uh, Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Um, this has been donated by Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, in uh, Top Hotel, Business Class Flights, uh, BA. And uh, This is all in the future. You're bidding for these experiences of the future, but that's what we're looking to. We're looking to the future. We're looking to the theatrical rainbow coming back. And, and Cassidy, well done to you. What, have, what, are you. what are you up to at the moment? What is your sort of near future looking like? Well, it's tricky. I was sort of saying to, to my manager and agent, it was, it's a bit like trying to build on quicksand yeah. because it just everything keeps changing so rapidly. So you sort of try and put something in the diary and it doesn't quite work out. So, you know, it, it, it's tricky. I do have one gig yet. I can't announce it yet, unfortunately, but it'll be an online sort of gig and maybe some some drive-in festival things. But, you know, it's just tricky, isn't it? It's very tricky at it's, the moment. It's very tricky. But remember, London was built on floating foundations and those floating foundations remain. So <laughs> literally, London was built on quicksand, so it can be done. And it's we just, are basically Venice. Yeah, and we, we, we just have to crack on, don't we? I mean, that's the yeah. bottom line. We've just got to get on with it. We've got to help everybody we possibly can. 
can. You've got to hold your nerve. Um, and you, you've just, it's just this is the definition of community. And, it, you know, it's not what we wanted, but it's maybe what a lot of us needed uh, to remind us what's yeah. important. And uh, look yeah. at this. Look at the gang you've got on board. Andrew Lloyd Webber, Dame Judi Dench, Dame Joan Collins, Michael Ball, Whoopi Goldberg, Alexander Burke, as you mentioned, and Martin McDonough. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Bid in theatres to auction. Uh, closes on a Sunday at 10pm. So that's going to be great spectator sport from about five yeah. o'clock onwards, isn't it? Yeah. Already the bids, they're already pretty big. We've got, someone's already put like a grand down for the Kemp's lunch, which is brilliant. It's only oh, no, it'll, for it'll go for, hopefully it'll go for more than that. Uh, it's yeah, early... but, I mean, that's already in 20 minutes, so I'm yeah. like, brilliant. Early days, okay. early doors. All right. Uh, mm. Anything else you'd like to say before you go, Cass? Just bid. They're all great. It's going to go to a great cause. You know, theatre really needs a bit of support at the moment, a bit of your love. All we ever do in theatre is want to uplift other human beings yeah. um, from maybe something that they're going through, and we just want to get the opportunity to uplift everyone again. So this will help us do that. Yeah. And, you know, it is about the bids, and it is about uh, raising some money for acting for others and the Theatres Trust and the Theatres Artists Fund, but it's also about keeping the conversation going. So hopefully that's what our auctions yeah. did. They they. Kept the conversation going and they started new conversations and that's what people can get involved in as well so go on uh, online have a look have a little think about the theatres in your area about little acting troops that you can help out to keep it going because you know storytelling is the best way of getting any kind of news or information or instruction across uh, Cassidy you are a superstar I love you uh, I will Aww. never forget you and Beverly Knight and Amber Riley coming in to <laughs> floor us with your talent I mean um, let, let's do that again as soon as we can shall we Aww. I would love to in a heartbeat. All right, you're awesome. Cassidy Jensen talking about the theatre super auction. Well done. Bid in theatres.auction. Bid in theatres.auction. Go there, have a look what's up for grabs. Um, stick in a cheeky bid. You never know. Uh, it could be yours come Sunday night. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Yes, if you like Little Women and who doesn't, then this is for you. Fantastic female characters to inspire, educate and celebrate from the brilliant brain of an award-winning, multi-million best-selling author with her newest novel, The Giver of Stars. Out now, please welcome the joyful Jojo Moyes. Good morning, Jojo. Good morning. The problem with this interview is today with you is that you gave yeah. such, a, such a fantastic interview in The Times the other day, talking Talking about your dog, your rescue dog. Um, that I sort of, we need to talk about your rescue dog first of all, if you don't mind. Okay. We need to revisit that. <laughs> Just give, give us the highlights of that particular conversation. Okay, so I was a bit sad last year and I saw on Twitter the saddest dog I'd ever seen in my life. And she'd been in a pound in Bosnia for six years, which was her whole life. So I just decided if it was going to be a terrible year, that I would do one good thing and adopt this dog. Unfortunately, 24 hours after she arrived from Bosnia, she escaped. Uh, not once, but twice. And I spent a total of 24 days on two occasions searching for the dog right. <laughs> using a pet detective disposable barbecues in fields full of sausages and well the fields weren't full of sausages that would have been odd um and uh finally got her back and now uh i have this lovely slightly insane dog who won't leave me and uh has ocd um, but she's brilliant and she's made me really happy so you were searching for your dog for 24 days <laughs> but you're also you were searching for something else weren't you you know via this particular journey so so what has she given you uh, and a vice versa i suppose 
Oh, God. Well, I think, you know, lots of people have been struggling over the past few months. And for me, the worst part of the day is first thing in the morning. And if you have to get up and walk with a dog, especially one who is literally turning cartwheels at the fact that you came back downstairs again in the morning, yeah. it's really hard to feel sad. And I think dogs, uh, you know, A, you get unconditional love from them, but B, they make you get out and walk. And sometimes you really don't want to, but it's it's just such a good thing. It's so life-affirming. All right, now, Jojo, uh, Rachel is uh, a quarter into your book. I didn't get it till this morning. I had a PDF book, which, which wouldn't work, sorry, a couple of days ago. But So Rachel's going to lead the charge here. Hellsbells, who works on the show, has read all of your books. So first of all, Rachel, oh, over to you. thank you. Jojo, hello. It is an absolute honour to speak to you. I love, oh, God, your, well, I love your writing. Anybody who loves books must have delved into one of your novels at one point. Your background is as a journalist and you can tell that so clearly, especially in this book, the research you've done. So just describe for anybody who doesn't realise, what is this book about what in, and what inspired you to write it? OK, so um, if I describe this book uh, in a bold sense, you're just going to look at me like, what on earth are you asking me to read? But I, about two years ago, I was looking online um, at a magazine called The Smithsonian, and there were these amazing pictures of Kentucky's horseback librarians. And these were young women who were employed to ride horses as part of President Roosevelt's attempt to, to recover America after the Depression. And they were employed to ride to really remote families in the mountains to try and teach them the importance of facts and knowledge so that they wouldn't be swayed by unscrupulous politicians uh, by religious fundamentalism and um, just to try and get women educated as well. And I read this little magazine article and looked at these amazing pictures and just thought, this is actually a really modern story. And uh, so I went to Kentucky several times and I lived on a tiny cabin in the mountains in what they call a holler, which is in the middle of nowhere, and rode the horses, rode the same tracks that the women had ridden. And it was literally the most fun I've ever had researching a book in my life. You fully immersed yourself. Did you? Could you ride horses before? Yes, I could. I, yeah, I hasten to add, I, I, I could ride horses before, but uh, it's a completely different experience because you're just, you're in the middle of a mountain in a whole heap of other mountains and you just cannot see a soul for days on end. And, and if you grew up in London, like I did, that's quite a weird thing to get your head around. But I loved it. And given it's Kentucky is actually one of the poorest states of America. I was a little bit nervous before I went out there because they've had all sorts of drug problems. Um, I actually fell in love with the place and the people. They're all great storytellers. And, and I've been back three times. So you've, had, you've got your framework, you've got your research, mm-hmm. you've, you've you know completely immersed yourself in the countryside, you know what it's going to look like. But how do you find the magic of what your story is going to be? Um, for me, it's always about character. Uh, the story should come from the character. So I do a whole load of background on my characters before they even make it into print. So I write a history for them. I want to know what they do, what their parents did, what they want, what food they like to eat, what would be in their handbag, all that kind of stuff. Um, I I also have a thing called the kick the dog test, which sounds worse than it is. But if your character was walking down the road and saw somebody kicking a dog, what would the character do? Would they kind of dive in and punch the person who was kicking? Would they look the other way and feel terrible about it? Would they steal the dog and run away? All those little tests tell you a lot about your character. So that if you do that for, say, four or five main characters... By the time they meet on the page, you've got something interesting going on. Because if you don't know your characters before they meet, it ends up like a really bad blind date. You know, nobody really has anything to say to each other. 
And you do really develop your characters. I know as, as a reader, quite often when I finish books, especially yours, I, I miss those people like they're friends. As, as a writer, they've lived in your head. I mean, I might read mm. your book in a week. You will be writing it for months. Do you miss them when, when you've written that final chapter? Oh, gosh, hugely. And in fact, sometimes I can't bear to let them go. So I revisit them. You know, I wrote Me Before You and, and then Missed Lou so much. I, I wrote two further books about her. And in fact, I revisited her again lately. I did a little um, free short story called Lou in Lockdown uh, so that I could just have some fun with her, you know, and try and bring some joy to the whole horrible lockdown process. Um, and in, a couple of sharp-eyed readers have seen that I've taken characters from one book and uh, plot them into a little side character in, in a next book just for fun. If I feel like I've done something really cruel to a character in one book, I might feel guilty and bring them back and give them a happy ending in another. Jojo, it's lovely to talk to you. Um, but lovely interview, Rachel. Fantastic, by the way. Rachel wants to write a book. Have you got uh, a novel? Have you got any advice for her? Yeah, park your bum on that seat and do 500 words a day minimum because if you don't do that, it's never going to happen. If you had a pound for everybody who said, I want to write a book, you'd be up there in J.K. Rowling territory. Good advice. Thank okay. you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.